Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. All right, everybody, we are back. Thanks for joining us. Yes. How are you, Samantha? I'm good. I'm in the, I'm starting to get in the holiday spirit. Yes, guys, we're coming up on the holidays. And so we hope you guys are all getting in the Christmas spirit and I guess Thanksgiving spirit too. Mm -hmm. We're all getting ready to like shove our faces. Today we are here with Dave Cover. So thanks for joining us, Dave. Yes. Glad to be here. I'm excited. Yeah. Thanks for inviting me. Guys, we are graced with Dave's presence because he is way smarter than we are. So we're excited to have him on today. We're going to talk about a little bit about Advent in the Christmas season and moving into what Advent means for us as Christians. But moving into the Christmas spirit, little debate, have people put up their trees yet? I mean, when are you, you know, I haven't. I'm very like, I've backed it up to the week before Thanksgiving. That's fine. Because if we travel for Thanksgiving, I want to come home and it's all done. But friends of mine that are putting it up, well, let's be candid. We're recording this in the beginning of November. So if you have, we already have a few friends. Yeah, it's too much. Yeah, we always wait till Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. I yeah. don't think we've ever done anything Christmassy. Like the day after Thanksgiving, or will you do well, it like that Well, my wife gets week? a bee in her bonnet usually around Friday, <laughs> and so Friday she's starting to get yeah. everything going. She's like, "We got to get everything yeah, out, Dave." All of a sudden, I got to get to work. Yes. Well, it is kind of a lot of work. Like I remember last year, I think people started doing it a little earlier because we were coming off of this year where we're all down. It's like we want something to cheer us up, but it's like, okay, let's all simmer back down. We're fine. We've had other joyful things this year. Yeah, let's let it be but i mean it is a lot of work to put it all out and then sometimes it's only like a month you know it's a lot of work and i don't know i'm 61 and the older i get at least i'm like do i we really want to do all this work oh mm-hmm. we're already saying this and yeah. we're like 30 so. yeah go well, there you go <laughs> yeah yeah but we got four grandkids now and so you know you it's always about more than you know your work when you, right. you, know, you have kids you want to make it fun and yeah have memories yeah. and stuff so. yeah yes well That's going good. off of that will you tell everyone who you are your family and what you do Yeah, I am Dave Cover. I'm one of the pastors at a church called The Crossing where Samantha and Christian work. So we are on the same staff team. So yeah, I started with Keith, this church, 21 years ago, and it's grown to be a church where a lot of people that are awesome attend and a lot of people that are awesome are on staff. And so two examples of that are Samantha and Christian. You are very kind. (laughs) I've always, maybe this isn't for this podcast, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Can you like look back 21 years ago and think about you and Keith? I don't know how old you guys were, but well, you said your age, so I guess you're giving that yeah, away. I was, but <laughs> I was 40 when we started this So church. could you have yeah. ever imagined the crossing, like what we're sitting in right now? Or was that just so far, you were just doing the next step kind of in obedience? No, I always am an, a big thinker in the sense that I'm optimistic. And if we're going to start something, let's start something big. And so I didn't have any kind of promise or vision from God. It wasn't that kind of a thing. It was more the kind of thing that I thought, you know, Columbia is a growing community. It has a highly educated per capita community. And we think that if we could have a church that really taught the Bible in a way that challenged people's minds and had a worship service that could hit people's hearts in a kind of a vertical focus kind of way where we get people to focus on all that God is for us in Christ, that if we did it in a way that was culturally friendly, understandable 
to people who weren't used to going to church that I always had this feeling that would be something that people would respond well to and invite their friends. If people feel safe to invite their friends and they're not afraid they're going to be embarrassed, they'll invite their friends because, you know, most people have friends that could really, in their mind, could really benefit from being a part of a good church community. And it's it's easy to start thinking in terms of, you know, I think that would really be good for them. I'm going to invite them to church. And if people feel safe to do that, then I think that's how a church gets bigger. Mm-hmm. That's cool. That's yeah. awesome. But church growth was never our thing. Right. I mean, that was, we never decided, let's plant a big church. We wanted to plant a certain kind of church mm-hmm. that we kind of knew would be something people would respond to. Yeah, attractive to a lot of people. Well, that's really cool. Yeah, that's cool to hear you say all I know, that, I've like, never heard together. it put together awesome. like that. I'm glad I asked that because I think that will be exciting for a lot of our people listening to here too. Yeah. But kind of switching gears into, we're here to talk about Advent. And to be really honest, Christian and I, we were planning like what we were going to do between the series that we came off a little bit ago of what I wish I would have known in my 20s in the holiday season. And we were like, oh, well, let's do one about Advent. You know, every few years I'll get like a She Reads Truth Advent devotional and I'll do it. And I think we started brainstorming like, oh, well, what was Advent for you growing up? And we kind of are laughing because we realized we really didn't know anything about Advent or why it was important or why we should be doing it. And maybe that's the reason for me personally that I haven't felt super compelled to do it most years or that I don't really feel the need for it, I guess, as much. And so we decided to have Dave come in and talk about that. But I guess, Christian, like what was Advent for you growing up or up yeah, until now? I mean, Samantha and I have talked a little bit about we both grew up in church. So I knew what Advent was. Our church celebrated it every year. Advent for us, though, looked like, you know, we would talk a lot about the anticipation of our coming king and, you know, that we get to wait in hope for his arrival. And so that was the season of Advent. And so it starts, you know, around the Thanksgiving time, kind of in our calendar now, and then runs up until Christmas. But for us, we were laughing about this experience, but like a big tradition at our churches growing up was that like... (laughs) I mean, kind of happened to be like the popular family in the congregation was like asked to like walk up to the wreath, the circular wreath, like in the middle of the, you know, stage. And you got to like light one of the candles and read the little and and read the the Christmas like story that was like broken up apart Mm -hmm. in that week. And you got to like light the candle. But we were laughing that like my mom was like, you better be on your best behavior. We're wearing our Christmas dresses. You know, we are like walking up there as like a little token family to like do the Advent celebration. Yeah, we have the exact same experience. We were laughing. We're like, oh my gosh, the fact that we both experienced that growing up is just funny. But I didn't grow up in church. So this is probably embarrassing. I probably shouldn't say it. I didn't even know what Advent was until after we started the crossing. And Scott Johnson, our worship leader, said, okay, we need to do Advent. I go, okay, what's Advent? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I had to learn what Advent is as a pastor leading a church through Advent. So I don't have any history of it whatsoever. But it is one of those things where I think the reason why you don't know if you should do it or not, you know, was this a thing, is because it's not anywhere in the Bible. There's nothing in the Bible that says we should do Christmas, Advent. There's nothing in the Bible that even tells us to do Easter. Mm -hmm. So when you think about it, none of these things are Bible, obedience to God, this is what Christians do. They just became traditions later. And if you're if you're not aware of traditions, if you didn't grow up in church, but you know, for me, my training is the Bible and all that, but it wasn't necessarily church traditions. Mm-hmm. So I think there is a biblical reason to do Advent, just like I think there's a biblical reason to do Easter, 
but it's not like an obedience to God kind of thing. It's a good, healthy practice. It's weird because in the Old Testament, God did prescribe certain annual feasts and observances, so Passover, Pentecost. There's like seven different days each year that God prescribed the Israelites to observe as part of an annual rhythm. When you think about seven a year, that's pretty, that's a lot. And so every year, and I think the reason why God did that was because it's really easy to get caught in the wrong narrative. And God wanted to keep the narrative of redemption and restoration before them. And the way that God keeps that narrative before his people is by having us rehearse it, by having us observe it. And I think for us as post-resurrection of Jesus, post-death of Jesus, you know, we don't observe the Old Testament laws and those things. They were all pointing toward Christ. Now that Christ has come, that's not what we do. But I think the church rightly found a need in some sense, a wisdom to have certain annual rhythms that remind us of the story that we're in. So Christmas, we have a documented evidence, so to speak, that church started to observe Christmas in the 300s A.D. And then something like Advent happened in the 400s. It was a fast. Uh, The leader of the church called for a three-day fast for people to observe Advent. Now, here's the thing. Advent just means arrival, coming And so when we think of Advent, when we think of Christmas, we're thinking of the past, Jesus being born a baby, absolutely as part of it. That's the coming, that's an arrival, the incarnation, God becoming human flesh. But what the church was always thinking about when they think of Advent was the second coming of Christ. So that's why you fast and you have this sense of putting your life in the narrative of Jesus's coming and having that be something that you anticipate, you evaluate your life of whether or not that's the story you're living in. So just like Easter, in some sense, we're reevaluating, am I living in light of the fact that Jesus rose from the dead and he's promised me a resurrection from the dead? I think a healthy way to observe Advent is to kind of ask ourselves similar questions. Am Am I living in the narrative that Christ is coming again to bring restoration and redemption. Mm-hmm. And it became Advent in the, the weeks, like four weeks before Christmas, like in the 500s. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's so interesting. That is so interesting because, again, it's like a good reminder, too. It even makes sense when you talk about, you know, like they had all of these rituals, like seven different kind of like days and observances that Jesus said, like, obey these. And now we don't really necessarily have those things, but he still knows that we are like finite people who we are going to be easily distracted by like narratives the world can tell us. And so it is a good reminder of like, this is a way that we, again, just like realign ourselves with the like reason for the season. I mean, if I should say that reason for the season, but also just, yeah, the story we're living in and what like hope we live in too. And so that's a great reminder. I love, I don't know, that whole like history. And I think repetition is part of it in the sense that when we repeat more than we realize, our brain is wired by repetition. Mm-hmm. And so we have all these liturgies that are cultural liturgies that are repetition and they, they put us in a story. 
And I think when we have a more biblically oriented, gospel-centered story that we repeat in some way, it has a big impact. So even as a non-Christian not going to church, the Christmas season when I was a kid always had an impact on me. You know, there was always some Jesus movie on TV, and there was always something because of, you know, the Christmas story that that put me in to pay attention to that story. And it always, I remember specifically as a kid, having my heart softened toward the idea of Jesus and God. I even remember getting my Bible out one time and wanting to read it because of watching some Jesus movie, King of Kings or something. Mm-hmm. Starting in Genesis and then stopping after chapter cool. one. Yeah. But you <laughs> like know, was, a book. You were yeah, reading it like a book. This isn't going to work. <laughs> well, it is a book. But it was a desire. So I, I think there is a really healthy thing that happens culturally, but also in our hearts that we get reminded every year. Well, I think it's cool, too, because we often talk about as two people who grew up in church. I think one of the reasons that a lot of people like us go through really hard seasons of their faith or maybe doubting if they believe in God at all anymore is because we were taught a lot of these traditions, which can just feel so mundane or we're laughing about what that looked like in our churches growing up. But when I get to hear you explain the importance of it or how it can be used to draw us near to God, it's like it really ignites this like passion in me of like, oh, that's why I want to do Advent. It's not just so I can say, oh, yeah, I'm doing an Advent devotional this year. When I can know the origin of it and the reasoning, it just makes everything that we're either commanded to do or practices like we're talking about with Advent so much more desirable, at least for me. Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good point because Dave, like what's your opinion? I feel like we hear a lot of people either if they're church shopping or they're going to a church or maybe it's their first time at a new church and they've never experienced like the Christmas celebration that they have. Some people are confused. So like, why do some churches do Advent? Why do some not? Like, what are your thoughts around that? I think that when you go to a church that is tied to a longer tradition. So, you know, when we started the crossing, we started a Presbyterian church and that's tied to a longer tradition. And so we were being in a sense tied to the way that Presbyterian churches have been doing Advent for hundreds of years. I think if you started a non-denominational church, It's not tied to a tradition, and this isn't better or worse or good or bad, it's just different, that you might not have denominational traditions that tell you now's the time of year you're supposed to dot, dot, dot. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, again, there's nothing more biblical about observing Advent. It's not like you're not being biblical if you don't. I just think it's a good practice that churches do, that we do as families, Because I think, here's what I think. I think the secular, and I don't mean like evil when I say secular. I just mean I think that the the narrative of our culture has lost its enchanted wonder. It's lost its sense of transcendence. And we live in kind of a world that we see as material, physical, and bodily in the sense of meeting my needs and, and meeting my desires and living for what's right in front of me. And we get trapped in a small little room that has a very low ceiling with tight walls, and our lives get kind of trapped in this smaller story. And when you're trapped in a smaller story that doesn't have transcendent meaning, doesn't have transcendent wonder, then little things that happen, well, things that happen in your life that would be somewhat little in a larger story become a major drama 
in a smaller story. And so you start overreacting to things that if you had a transcendent story that your life was in, it wouldn't be as big of a deal. But because you're living with your nose right in front of you and a, a low ceiling view of reality with tight walls that have no transcendence, little things become a big deal. To me, Advent, Christmas, if it's done right, puts us back into this transcendence and kind of an enchanted wonder, kind of a magical story, so to speak, Mm -hmm. that helps us narrate the events of our lives more vertically than just responding horizontally like a bumper pool table and we're just sort of getting bounced around by life circumstances. We have a bigger story that helps us have a bigger view of life. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, I feel like you could take that even outside of just you know, the Christmas season or the holiday season. I mean, I feel like you could apply that. I'm convicted even as I hear you say that of like, wow, what are the times that I'm overreacting while I'm not picturing my life or that circumstance in the larger story that like God has me in or God has these people in or my family in or whatever. And it is so easy to just like, I don't know, run rabbit trails in your mind when you're just not living in a vertical image and, you know, plot line of the story that God has for your life. Think of the anxiety we have in our lives because Mm -hmm. we, even if you just asked a practical question, how big of a deal is this going to be to me a year from now? Mm -hmm. Even just being able to look a year out sometimes brings a redefinition to the things that we think are a big deal. And we, okay, that's probably not that big of a deal that I have to wait three more days before I can get my license or whatever it is. It's in the larger scheme of things, I can have joy in this circumstance. I don't have to be stressed in this circumstance. I don't have to be mad at somebody. I don't have to have this sense of having a bad day because I can't do this. If I can see myself and view this circumstance in a bigger story, it just changes my stress levels. And so we're getting off on a different tangent here, but I think... No, I like it. Okay. (laughs) This is what people need to hear. Yeah. Yeah. But I think Advent kind of does that. It kind of puts us back into this bigger story. Mm-hmm. Well, you even said, like, if we can look a year out. I mean, we're talking to girls. I think if you can look some things an hour out, a day out, a week out. I mean, yeah, that's just been so common. And I think going back to what I think I'm going to be taking from this on Advent is like I, over the last few years, have been really encouraged just about the theme of being reminded by things through Scripture. So either reflecting and then remembering kind of what God did in that circumstance in my personal life, reading scripture and seeing through story after story what he did. And then that's a way to remind us like, oh, no, what you're facing right now isn't too big if that story in the Old Testament wasn't too big, you know, whatever it is. And so I love the idea of being reminded. And I think it is true with anxiety or whatever else. If we're not seriously constantly reminding ourselves of that bigger story, then how do we make it through each day? I mean, I've had life circumstances where if I'm not reminding myself every hour, maybe every minute that, you know, things are bigger than what I'm facing, then I'm just falling apart. So Mm -hmm. I love that idea. And that's what Advent can maybe mean to most of us. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really interesting. I was talking to a guy, it was a some luncheon that I went to a couple years ago. And a woman at the luncheon brought her missionary son, who's a missionary in China. And this was probably five years ago. So things are probably even different now. But five years ago, I was talking to him and I said, you know, what's it like being a missionary in China? Is it illegal to be a Christian? Is it illegal to teach the Bible? How does all that work? 
And he says, you know, I go to a church there, and it is amazing how it kind of really is faithful to the Bible. I was amazed that it's not – this is, again, five years ago, but he said it's not illegal to teach the Bible. They just aren't able to teach one thing from the Bible, and they can't talk about the second coming of Christ. Mm -hmm. They can do anything else, forgive your sins, all that kind of stuff. But they can't talk about the second coming of Christ. And I thought, well, that's really weird. Why do they zero in on, on that? And he said, because that re-narrates your entire life. That takes the power away from the now, the powers of now, the present. And if they don't have the power of intimidation now, if you have a bigger story that you live your life in, the state loses its power over your life. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, you know, that's not just true for the Chinese Communist Party. That's true, I think, probably in a demonic sense, satanic sense. That's probably how the devil works on us now, is if he can get us, we can believe all these things in the Bible, but if we don't think about the second coming of Christ, the bringing of his kingdom back to earth, the restoration of all things, our own resurrection and living in this bigger story that the Bible keeps talking about over and over again, that re-narrates the moment that we're in to where that moment has more of a power over us and people have more of a power over us. People's approval has more of a power over us. Our lack of something that we want has more of a power over us than it would otherwise have if we saw our, our bigger story. Mm-hmm. That's so good. That's really awesome. I know. Like, where do we go? Because this yeah. is just like Well, what would you so say, much- Dave, to the person who, because again, you've said, you know, the celebration of Advent is not necessarily commanded in the Bible. It's not even actually like talked about in the Bible. So this is something that we just now do in our world and our culture to again, remind us of the story we're living in. For the person who feels like, could you either give us some like, hey, like I would suggest if you're maybe thinking this way or if you maybe tend to think this way or tend to get sidetracked, like what would you say to the person who you would say like you should probably do something for Advent and like here are a few things you could do? Or what would you say to someone who's like, should I do it? Should I not? I don't know. I'm confused. Well, I think people have different desires based upon where they are in life. If you're somebody that has a family, for example, I was watching this show on Apple TV Plus, Truth Be Told, and I was watching the second season and the first episode of the second season. I know I'm getting really specific, but the main character has a podcast, and she has this voice that's real soothing, and she sort of talks at a real relaxing pace. And she says, and I'm not going to quote it exactly, I'm going from memory here, but she says that my grandmother always told me Teach your children the scriptures when they are young, and you will arm them for the rest of their lives. And you will give them something that has power that they wouldn't otherwise have. And I thought that was a really strange line to have on a major show. But I I think Advent done well can do that. I think that if we can give our kids a bigger story, a better story that their life is in, that's going to be with them the rest of their life in some way. And it's going to take the power away from all these smaller stories that are trying to hijack them out of the bigger story and and live for something that is foolish and short term. And so I think that if we can somehow have an Advent practice, not as a parent, I was always afraid to I didn't want to force the Bible down my kids. I didn't want to be the dad who made it miserable for kids. And so we're going to read the Bible and shut up, kids. I'm reading the Bible. Daddy's reading the Bible. Shut up. Okay, you're going to get spanking. I, I, I didn't I didn't want to be that. 
And so I got intimidated in some sense. I probably went the other direction. And I think that Advent is a fun way, an enchanted, and I mean that in a positive sense, a mysterious, transcendent, fun way to bring the biblical story into our families. And so I, I think maybe even something as simple as maybe a, during the four Sundays before Christmas, which is the Advent season, maybe doing something on Sunday night for 15, 20 minutes that in some way reads a part of the Christmas story and maybe tries to talk about it. I think most parents get intimidated because we we don't know how to do that. We don't know how to make it interesting. We don't want it to be boring. So getting a good resource is helpful. There's an author, Sally Lloyd-Jones, who almost anything she does for kids is really, really good. Sally Lloyd-Jones. Maybe, you, I don't know if you guys have show notes for this podcast. Yes, but maybe we do. Maybe you can put this in we'll the show link notes. We'll link all that, yeah. yeah. She's got a couple Christmassy, Adventy kind of books for kids. One of them's for real young kids, and I think one of them's for a broader age. But I think if I were a parent, I'd want to get one of those. I know The Crossing has something that they give parents to do for four Sundays before, or four weeks before Christmas. So there's something that that we have that we can maybe make available in the show notes. But if you don't know what you're doing, don't not do something. Because at this point are really good resources out there Mm -hmm. that can help you do good stuff. And I think that's what I would do. And then if, if I wasn't at a place in my life where I had a family, I think for me, I would try to, in a sense, grab the spirit of what churches have been trying to do over the centuries, and that is asking myself, maybe I, when I'm at church during these Advent Sundays, most churches are going to do a little something, whether they're lighting a candle or whatever, and using that time and take it seriously, am I really in the right story? Have I been making decisions that have reflected that I'm living in the real story? Or have I been letting myself get hijacked into smaller stories that are having too much power over me and making my life stressed and making me unloving toward people and causing me to become some somebody that's driven by worry or whatever it is? Do I need to get myself back into the right story? And I think the Sundays of Advent, those four weeks before Christmas, in the worship service are a great chance for us to think that way. If we realize that's what we're doing and that's how we need to be thinking, I think it can really help us get more out of that worship service. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That. Yeah. yeah. I hope that everyone, we, Samantha and I have a couple of resources we love too about Advent and just different studies that we have done over the years. So we will link all of that in our show notes just for you guys to be able to grab from and maybe pick up and do with a small group with you and your roommate or you and your family. There's a lot of different opportunities just to keep, again, this larger story in mind and kind of for you to reorient your life into living that way this season. And so we hope this was encouraging. I, mm-hmm. I learned a ton. Yeah. Thank you, Dave, for coming on and just giving us all that wisdom. So, and I think the really key is to try it. to make it fun. Yeah. I mean, you know, it doesn't have to be this somber, religious, traditional mm-hmm. shh. Yeah. But just to have it be something that's fun and hey, you yeah, know it's what? Exciting. The, the, yeah. the, the bigger story is exciting. Mm-hmm. And the word the Bible uses more than any other is joyful hope. And it is a joyful hope to have this promise of Christ coming back and this world that the Bible characterizes as we're living in exile, we're living in darkness, we're living in an age that has a spell over us from the God of this age Paul talks about in Second Second Corinthians 3 and 4. And so if we can have this joy and this excitement and laughter 
because we have every reason to have laughter because of the Advent story. Mm -hmm. I think that makes it easier for kids and it makes it fun for everybody. Yeah, Yeah. that's awesome. Joyful hope. Yeah, thank you for being with us today. I know for me, this has made me just have a whole new desire for Advent, like I kind of talked about earlier. And I think that it'll do the same for everyone else. So thanks again for being with us. Thank you, Dave. We appreciate it. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.